You are listening to the Midtown Church Podcast, a ministry that exists to make Jesus known. I don't know what your favorite part of Christmas is. Um, I do know for myself, one of the things I like most about this time of the year is the music associated with it. Um, And just even tonight, being reminded of the great Christmas music that exists. Uh, I know there's a lot of bad Christmas music out there, but there's a lot of good Christmas music out there. Um, I, I don't like how early it gets played. I think there should be laws against that, Um, but uh, I do love hearing it. I love listening to you sing. I love hearing the choir, kids' choir, the other, the adult choir. It was just, it's just great. Um, But like I said, there's also some bad Christmas music out there, but I I do know why so much of it exists, and that is because it sells. Uh, Christmas music music is very, very popular. It's um, one of the reasons why I, almost every artist has a Christmas album. Um, this week, I discovered, for example, the Duck Dynasty guys, you know them? They have a Christmas album. Here's the cover of their Christmas album. That's it. Duck the Halls. And the, the big song, the, the hit song from Duck the Halls is, I wish you a hairy Christmas. And I'm not making that up. Um, so like I said, a lot of good Christmas music out there. A lot of not so good Christmas music out there as well. With the few minutes that I have with you uh, this afternoon, I want to take you to one of the earliest Christmas songs ever written, and one that is much better than uh, most being sung today. It's uh, recorded for us in the book of Colossians. What most scholars believe, written in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20, is uh, an early church hymn. I'm calling it a Christmas song because in the words of this early church hymn, two things are addressed specifically. One, who is Jesus? That's number one. And why did he come? And I don't think there are any more important questions to ask at this time of the year than who is Jesus and what was the purpose for his coming? So let's answer those two questions um, one at a time first. Who is Jesus? This one that we celebrate the birth of on December 25th. Who is he? Well, short answer is that Jesus is God. And what takes place in this text is that Paul explains in this passage by pointing out a handful of things about Jesus true of him. Let me go through them one at a time with you. You'll see him on the screen behind me as well. The first... Paul writes, the song begins, he is the image of the invisible God. We'll stop there. And yet, isn't this true of all of us and not just Jesus? Doesn't the Bible tell us right from the very beginning that we've all been created in the image of God? Well, the answer to that is yes, and we are, but that's not what's meant here. We are created in the image of God, but Jesus is the image of God. You see, God is spirit. God is invisible. But in Jesus, God became flesh. The invisible becomes visible and lived among us. 
A few uh, verses down in Colossians 1, Paul emphasizes this when writing that in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In other words, all that God is, Jesus is. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus, for he is the exact imprint of his nature, Hebrews 1.3. So that's where Paul begins. But the second thing that Paul points out about Jesus is that he is the firstborn of all creation. A lot of confusion about that word firstborn. Uh, some people take that word firstborn to mean that Jesus was the first act of creation by God. Like my son Matthew is my firstborn. He's my first creation as it were, although I know my wife had something to do with that as well. And the word, we actually just heard one read today, one text read today that uses this word firstborn in that way in the scriptures. It can refer to a, a firstborn, but it's also a word used to speak of supremacy, uh, high rank, first rank, a position of status. Isaac, for example, Isaac, the son of Abraham, was called Abraham's firstborn, even though Ishmael was technically. That's the way this word is being used here. Paul is saying that Jesus stands supreme. He is first in rank. He's over creation. And why is that? Well, because of what he writes next in verse 16. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Why is Jesus supreme over creation? Well, because Jesus is not a part of creation. Jesus is the creator of it. John 1.3, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And therefore, Jesus has absolute and total dominion, power, and authority over creation. That's why when Jesus begins, begins his earthly ministry here, we see him do wondrous things over creation. It's the reason why Jesus can tell a storm to be still. It's, it's the reason why Jesus can tell the leper to be clean. It's the reason why he can call Lazarus out of the grave. It's why he can tell demons to shut up. Jesus, being supreme over creation, can walk on water and turn water into wine. That's Jesus. Absolute, total power and authority over creation. He stands supreme over all and therefore all must submit to his will and his purpose. Before moving on to the next thing that Paul talks about when it comes to Jesus, did you hear the prepositions in verse 16, all you grammar students? Paul writes about Jesus that by him, all things were created. Through him, all things were created. And for him, all things were created. What those prepositions tell us is that Jesus is the creator of all, but he is also the end goal for all creation. This should change your life. 
because this tells us those uses of prepositions here in verse 16 answer the two most important questions that any serious human being must ask. Why am I here and what's the purpose for my life? Answered here in verse 16. Created by, through, and for Jesus. He is the firstborn. He is supreme over all creation, including you and me. The third thing that Paul points out about Jesus is that Jesus is before all things and in him all things hold together. You see, Jesus the Christ wasn't a product of history. He was before history. And in him, all things hold together. He created it all. He sustains it all. If you whittled down creation down to its core, do you know what you would find? Jesus. Hebrews 1.3. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. I referred to this verse before. And it ends this way by saying, and he upholds the universe. By the word of his power. I'm uh, borrowing this illustration, but did you know that that physicists still cannot figure out how an atom actually holds together? The, The nucleus of the common oxygen atom has eight protons, which have have a positive charge. They should fly apart, therefore. Physicists know that like charges repel each other and opposites attract, hence my marriage, right? Yet here in this common oxygen atom, there are eight positively charged protons just hanging out and the negatively charged elements of the atom are out there spinning around the atom. In the 1920s and 1930s, scientists discovered that there was an incredible power in the atom holding all the protons in the nucleus of the atom together. How strong? 10,000 billion, 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 billion times stronger than gravity. They called it a nuclear force. It was mysterious. It was hard to understand. So hard that only Albert Einstein and myself and a few others understand it. It's... When they fired protons into the nuclei of an atom, it released incredible energy known as nuclear power. This power holds the nucleus together, but they are not quite sure how it works. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a natural, physical principle built into the atom and keep, that keeps it together. I, I suspect there is. I'm simply saying that just like There is a mysterious and invisible power behind the atom. There is a mysterious and invisible power in the universe that gives it and us life. And in Jesus, the mysterious and the invisible became flesh. If you believe in a God who creates all, would you not also believe in a God who sustains all and is the center of it all? A couple more, going back to our text that Paul highlights about Jesus. Paul writes next that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Uh, The word head, he's the head, speaks of leadership, of course, headship. 
but the word head also talks about being the source of something. Jesus is both for the church. He's the head of the church, the chief shepherd of the church, but he's also the source of the church. He gave birth to the church. See, what Paul does in this song is he goes in verses 15 to 17 from talking about creation to going in verses 18 to 20 to talking about new creation, that the church, the new humanity, God's people. And God's people as the new humanity are dependent upon Jesus as their head and as their source. And finally, Paul writes that Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. This is the purpose for mankind, that Jesus in everything might be preeminent. This is, this is where we flourish. This is where we find our fullness because it's in this that we live as we were created to live. Jesus' preeminence over everything includes death. As Paul writes, Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? Well, beginning has its idea, speaks of origin. We get that. But we saw earlier, firstborn speaks of supremacy. So what do we, what do we have here? Well, we have Paul saying that Jesus, he is the beginning of death being conquered and is supreme over death. Why? He's supreme over death because of his resurrection. You see, Jesus killed death by rising from it. And it's at this point in this Christmas song that it's beginning to sound a lot like Easter. But please hear me. Jesus is the beginning of death being conquered, but he's not alone. He's just the first. L listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, but each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. You see, Jesus is the beginning of the resurrection life, but those in Christ will be a part of the harvest that follows. So that's who Jesus is. Question number one. But why did he come? Well, the last two verses of our passage answer that question. When Paul writes in verses 19 and 24, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So there's our answer. Jesus God in flesh, the creator, the sustainer, the preeminent came to reconcile us to God and did by going to the cross and shedding his blood for us. What does it mean to be reconciled? Well, to be reconciled means to remove hostility, to, to bring peace where there is no peace. And that was accomplished on the cross. And a twofold hostility was, was removed. The hostility of God towards us and our sin and our hostility towards God by way of our minds and our deeds. Jesus took both on the cross. But that accomplishment by Jesus on the cross, it must be received. You must come to him in faith, 
and repentance to receive it. Best gift you'll ever get. So that's the song of Jesus. That's the song who tells us who Jesus is and why he came. Great song. And this is also the final message in our series, The Eyes of Advent, a series where we looked at the first coming of Jesus through the eyes of Herod, through the eyes of the wise men, through Joseph and through Mary, and today through our eyes as we look back at the first coming of Jesus on this side of history. But as I wrap up this series, it's hard not to look at the first coming of Jesus without looking ahead to his second. And yet his second will be very different from his first. In his first, he came as a baby. In his second, he will come as a conquering king. In his first, his announcement came to shepherds in the night. In his second, it will come with trumpet sounds and all will see. In his first, there was no room in the inn. In his second, the earth will be his footstool. In his first, he took whips to the back. In his second, the government will be on his shoulders. In his first, he heard cries of crucify him. In his second, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. In his first, he was pierced with nails in his hands and his feet. In his second, his wounds remain reminding us that our lion was the lamb that was slain. And in his first, he came to his own who received him not. In his second, he will come for his bride who will be adorned and pure and ready. I long for his coming. I hope you do too. There is no fear in his coming for those who are in Christ Jesus. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I pray you are. And I invite you to be. Would you pray with me? Jesus, our mighty God, our Prince of Peace, our wonderful Counselor, our Lord and King, we gather today to bless you, to worship you, to praise you for coming as a baby, born of a virgin and laid in a barn sent by your Father in love to a world in the greatest need of a Savior, Jesus. As John the Baptist said, we behold you today, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, you are the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. And we believe, for I pray today that we will. In you, the grace of God became flesh. The eternal Christ, the word that is God, in humility and humiliation came, and not to your friends, but your enemies, so they could become your friends. Jesus, we stand in awe and holy reverence that in your humility and submission to your Father, you were obedient even to the point of death on a cross. And because of that obedience, you promise that whoever believes in you shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What a savior. Bless you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus, with a love inexpressible and full of glory. And Jesus, we ask along with your apostle John, come Lord Jesus. 
Hasten the day of your coming, Jesus. We want to see you face-to-face, Jesus, which will be better by far. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Midtown, please go to midtownchurch.com.